0: Hey, glad that you're here this morning. Welcome uh, on a slightly warmer day than yesterday um, as they are uh, are passing and receiving the offering there. Uh, you know, as we strive as a church to help people discover and experience the life-changing love of Christ, uh, over the last three weeks, we've been in a sermon series titled Seek First. Uh, in this series, we've looked at what it means to build on a firm foundation, we started uh, talking about what Jesus says in Matthew chapter seven about the wise and the foolish builders and we learned that we need to take the words of Jesus seriously, and the goal is not simply just to listen to god 's word or to read a passage of scripture and then continue to do our own thing, but instead we are to hear what god 's Word says and then apply it and put it into practice and to be wise as we do that in our daily lives. Uh, We looked uh, a couple weeks ago at everyone's favorite topic, money, right? Um, We talked about that. We looked at what scripture says about finances as we seek uh, to continue to build a firm foundation. How when we look at God's character and we look at who God is, we see that God is a generous God, that he gave us so much, he's given us so much, he continues to give to us. Uh, he gave us his one and only son, Jesus, so that we may have the hope of, spend, of spending eternal life with him. We also looked at how everything we own, everything we have, everything there is uh, belongs to God and as such, he's asking us to share some of our fries with him. Now, if you don't know what I'm talking about, then I'm going to encourage you to to go check out uh, the message, Let It Go, on uh, January 18th. It's on our website, and and I encourage you to listen to that because God's desire for us is to be more like him, to be generous and to hold things, uh, money, possessions, everything, and we talked about this a little bit, with an open hand. Remember that? talked about holding things with an open hand because not only does that allow God to remove things from your hand it also allows God to put things in your hand because it's it's hard to remove or put things in a closed hand and so we want to hold things including our lives with an open hand allowing God to work through us and to put things in and take things out as as he sees fit so that we can be used for his kingdom and what we learned that it's really not a matter of money. It really is a matter of faith. Do we believe and trust that God is going to provide for us? And so we challenged ourselves to give it a try and to to try and, and, and to, to tithe, to give 10% of everything that we receive over the next 90 days and just see what God does and see how God handles that in your life. Last week, we looked at what it means uh, to live our life interrupted. We looked at the Sabbath. We looked at Shabbat, which I told you last week is one of my favorite words, it means to stop, or as we talked about last week, to interrupt. And what it means to do that in our lives, we learn that while God is holy, and we think about him as such, he's also making us holy. We also talked about how work is good, but so is rest. Rest is good, and it, it helps us worship God. It's, it's one, of the, one of the key things that Shabbat does for us, is allow us to stop, and consider the needs of others, and to take care of the needs of others. And the challenge for you was to pray and to invite God to interrupt your life. And so I would be curious if in this next week, if you'd be willing to share stories, send me an email, call me, text or something about how God's been interrupting your life, and how you've been allowing God to interrupt your life and interrupt your plans so that you can gain more of a balance in your life and focus uh, more on God. All that kind of goes back to what we talked about the very first Sunday of the year, when we talked about what's new, and we look at what Paul said in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, where it says, be transformed, right? Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We need to be transformed. We want our lives to be no longer like us, but more and more like Christ in every aspect of our life. This morning, I want to invite you to grab your Bibles, if you would, and turn to John chapter 13. If you're uh, reaching for a blue Bible somewhere there around you, in the, maybe in front of you, or if you don't need that blue Bible, you might see if someone else down your, up and down your row needs that, um, you can turn to page 763 if you're grabbing one of those Bibles, and that's, that's where we're going to be. Uh, today, we're going to look at what it means to seek first as we explore this topic of how's your serve, and that's what we're going to look at here today. Uh, here in chapter 13, we find Jesus in the upper room with his disciples And the text says this. I'm going to be reading from the New International Version. It says, It was just before the Passover feast. Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave the world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. The evening meal was being served, and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, "'Lord, are you going to wash my feet?' Jesus replied, "'You do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand.'" No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then, Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, a person who has had a bath needs only to wash his feet. The whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that's why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you, he asked? You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Now, uh, maybe a familiar passage to you uh, from John chapter 13, Uh, and and when it comes to this text, there are a few questions I think that we can ask when it comes to foot washing um, and and Jesus washing the disciples' feet. I invite you to follow along in your bulletin and just fill in these, these four little blanks as we go through this morning, some things we need to consider. The first one is this, why? Why? Why was foot washing necessary? Well, in the land of Palestine, uh, during the time of Jesus, uh, the roads were rough and dusty, okay? Uh, the people didn't wear socks and shoes like we do today. I mean, most of you in here today probably has on, have on socks and shoes. After all, it is cold outside, right? Um, many people would walk around barefoot or they'd have open sandals. Um, in addition to that, they walked everywhere they went. And as you can imagine, this caused people's feet to become quite dirty, covered in all manner of filth and in need of frequent washing. Uh, Last year, uh, when we went to Egypt, I I caught a glimpse of, of, I think, what this was talking about. Uh, As we uh, went to the different garbage cities in and around Cairo, we saw people walking barefoot or in, you know, really worn-out shoes, walking down these dusty, dirty roads, and and often there were open trench sewers just kind of running down the the middle of the road. Um, It was not fun. The only thing that I could find to really relate it to here in New Jersey was going for a walk on the shore okay now now hear me out as I say that okay a good walk on the shore you know the kind of walk where you finally make it to the shore and you kick off your sandals or your shoes and you walk down to the water's edge and the coolness of the sand as the sun is beating down on you and you're just kind of soaking up the rays everybody's like man that'd be nice about right now wouldn't it everybody just kind of go there with me that's a nice place to be I really enjoy just kind of taking a, a, a walk on uh, the sand, but what I don't like, I don't like the sand getting between my toes, okay? I, I just don't. I also don't like the sand on my feet or in my shoes when I leave the shore, right? The sand should stay on the shore. You agree, disagree, right? Right? That's why I love those little wash stations, you know, that some of the beaches have. Because as you walk out, then you wash your, you know, your feet off. You get them all clean, and then you put them in your clean shoes, and it's all good. Uh, I, I really, it's one of those things where you don't realize how dirty your feet is until, or your feet are feet is your feet are, until you put them in something clean, right? And maybe you feel the same way uh, about the sand. In in the scriptures, we see in Genesis 18 and 19 and 24 and 43 and Judges 19 and 1 Samuel uh, chapter 25, 2 Samuel chapter 11, and and other scriptures throughout uh, the Bible where it, it was a common practice to wash your feet upon entering someone's house. Shoes of any kind, if you had them, you never wore them inside the house. And so the simple answer as to why the feet needed to be washed was because they were dirty, right? And they needed to be clean. which brings us to the second point, who? Whose job was it? Whose job was it to wash feet? Uh, it was commonly demonstrated as good manners to provide water for the individual to wash their own feet or to have a servant do it. Uh, this task of foot washing was seen as a demeaning task, and it was reserved for the lowest of low servants, In fact, foot washing was rarely, if ever, done by a Jewish person, but instead was done by a Gentile or a foreigner because of the idea of defilement that was connected to the foot. Touching and washing someone's feet would render you ceremonially unclean, and therefore you wouldn't be allowed to attend synagogue or go to worship, where as a Jew, that's what you wanted to do. Think about it this way. As a good Jewish person... You would not associate with dirty things. Clean hands would never touch dirty feet. Much in the same way that you probably wouldn't go to your favorite steak restaurant, order a ribeye cooked exactly the way you want it, take it on the plate, and then go sit in a porta potty to eat it, right? That just kind of misses the point. It's kind of gross and it's unclean, right? That's how the Jews felt about foot washing. It was unclean. It was dirty. It was gross. It's just something you don't do. And so foot washing was to be done by the youngest or least trained non-Jewish servant in the, in the house. Which makes the fact that Jesus did the foot washing, we read about here in John chapter 13, a fascinating event, which begs the question, Jesus? Really? Jesus? Now, there are lots of things from this passage of Scripture, from John chapter 13, that we could, you know, dial in and spend a lot of time talking uh, about, like in verse 3 where it says Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he'd come from the Father and was returning to God, how Jesus knew what was coming and he was preparing for it, we could talk about that, or his interaction with Peter. Uh, You just have to love Peter. I mean, every time you read about Peter, you're like, man, I like that guy because he's so much like us, right? Jesus wants to wash Peter's feet, and what's Jesus say? Not going to do it, Jesus. You are not going to wash my feet. And, and I have to give Peter the benefit of the doubt. I, I think that his objections were probably uh, motivated by a sense of respect and reverence. Because as Jewish people, they understood that what Jesus do, was doing, he just really didn't need to do and shouldn't be doing. But, but Jesus says to Peter, if you want to be my disciple, I'm going to do this. I'm going to wash your feet. To which Peter said, and you know, Peter's kind of this all or nothing type guy all the time, right? He says, okay, well, I really want to be your disciple. So how about not just the feet, but how about you know, a manicure and a shampoo, and then we'll, you know, we'll move forward with this deal, right? He's like, nice, Pete. Nice, nicely done, man. But I want to look at, at why Jesus washed their feet. In verse 1, it says, it was just before the Passover feast. Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, He now showed them the full extent of His love. You see, this was an act of genuine loving service. An act of of humble willingness to do the most lowly of serving acts for His friends. It was an act of of practical courtesy which they had either forgotten or just simply avoided in their preoccupation with selfish pride. You see, on more than one occasion, the disciples were very concerned about who was going to be the greatest in the kingdom and who was going to sit where and who was going to have the seats next to Jesus and who was going to be the top dog in the new kingdom. According to Luke chapter 22, during this Passover meal, a dispute arose among them as to which of them was considered to be the greatest. And Jesus, by his example he was showing them his love and his devotion to them he was showing them what true greatness really is Jesus not only said but he demonstrated that the greatest among you will be the one who serves so Jesus washed their feet which leads us to the lesson that Jesus taught about foot washing and we have to ask the question what about us what does this mean for us here today? In verse 17, Jesus said, Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. So often we see in Scripture that when Jesus serves or Jesus teaches, it warrants a response. And I think it warrants a response from us today as well. So, so what did the disciples, uh, what were the things that the disciples knew? What was Jesus talking about? Well, throughout his ministry, Jesus had made a point of making people his priority. Especially if you read through the Gospel of John, you see that Jesus was very concerned about relationships. He was concerned about the individual. He turned water into wine at the wedding uh, feast so that the wedding couple would not be disgraced. He met Nicodemus at night, so Nicodemus could ask his questions. He treated the Samaritan woman at the well with love and respect. He healed at the pool. He fed the 5,000. He rescued the condemned woman. He healed the blind man. He raised Lazarus from the dead. He wept over the city of Jerusalem. He endured the pain of the cross. Why? Because of his love for people. Because of His love for you, his, his love for me. Jesus was once again saying, now that you know these things, do them. Serve the way I have served. Feed the people who are hungry. Seek the well-being of those who are sick. Give yourself up for others. Move in close to those others, people that are hurting. Get on your hands and your knees and confront the dirt and the grime and the muck that is this human life. But I also want to suggest to you this morning that it's more than that. There's a piece that that too often I think we miss. The the danger is for us to take the things that Jesus did and we look at the life of Jesus and we begin to make a list. And and we take this list and we say, okay, I need to make a list and we add these things to the list of things that I need to do. And while that list is true and right and, and good, we need to kind of make a distinction because we don't want to just serve so that we can receive the promise of, of being blessed. Because when we do that, we miss out on what Jesus was teaching not only to his disciples, but to us today as well. Foot washing is, is something that's more than just checking a task off of your list. These acts, these acts were representative of, of who Jesus was, what he was about, and what he came to do. And, and subsequently what he's called us to become as well. Jesus looked the disciples in the eye, and he did the very thing that they were in denial about needing to be done. They certainly didn't ask Jesus to do it. They believed it was below them or, or unnecessary, but, but they needed it. And Jesus, he realized if this task was not below him. It, it was not below him he tried to teach his disciples it's not below them and if it's not below Jesus and it's not below his disciples it's certainly not below you or me either they needed to be cleaned up if they were going to become who God intended for them to be it wasn't going to happen without Jesus's initiative either he had to step up he had to take the risk he had to make the sacrifice and pay the price for those who he wanted to redeem and that's the example that has been set for us to follow. But It's more than just serving, okay? It's more than just a list. If we're going to seek first, then we need to become a servant. The easiest way I know to explain this is this. I'm not an English major, but I get this part of it, all right? Serving is a verb, and that's something you do, right? Serving, an act. However, being a servant is a noun, and that is who you are. Do you see the difference between those two things? Serving is something that you can do and check off the list, but being a servant is who you are. One is an action, the other is an identity. The way of Jesus is not just about serving to receive a blessing, but it's becoming a servant so as to be blessed. Do you see the difference? Because the difference is huge. The way of Jesus has redemption in mind. A redemption that requires honesty and love and sacrifice for the sake of others. It requires losing pride and giving up status and and being the bigger person uh, than before. It's it's choosing to love in the way that the other person needs to be loved rather than demanding love for ourselves or loving in a way that is comfortable for us or the way we want to love. That's why This idea of serving, it just cannot simply be something you do. It must be an outpouring of who you are. Because if serving is just something you do, if it's just something you put on a list, then then you're going to burn out. And you're going to be unfulfilled, and you're going to end up empty and bitter, and it's not going to go well. But if you're a servant, it's going to bring you joy. It's going to bring fulfillment. You're going to want more. It's going to be intoxicating, and you're going to want to serve more and more because you are a servant, and it will become second nature to you. But here's the deal. Serving is not second nature to us. We are selfish people. We, we want what we want, which is why the path to, to being a servant oftentimes includes serving even when you don't feel like it, when it's hard, when it's inconvenient, when your life is interrupted. You see, that's why we talked about Sabbath last week. We don't just kind of throw these things up there and try to figure out what we're going to do next Sunday. There's a plan for this. We're talking about building on a firm foundation. We're talking about seeking God first. It's, It's about being interrupted in our life. Often I believe we don't serve or we don't become servants because, especially in our society today, we are just so stinking busy all the time. But if you'll take the challenge, like we talked about last week, and you will pray and ask God to interrupt your life, when he does, you'll have the opportunity to serve others in those interruptions. By making the decision to serve, God will work through your obedience to change your heart, to transform you, to be more like him, to be not just someone who serves, but to be a servant. Jesus demonstrated that he was a servant. The cross was the ultimate example of service, and it gave us eternal life. But eternal life is not something we just have to wait for. It's something that starts now. Eternal life involves service. It's living out His kingdom. It's being a part of the ministry of reconciliation. It's what we do each and every day of our life. It involves us putting ourselves in a position to allow the Holy Spirit to work through us to remove not only the dirt of sin in our own life, but also in the lives of the people around us. It's serving, and it's being a servant. Jesus said, now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. Here's the problem, I think, for us. How many of you, when someone comes over, you wash their feet when they enter your home? Now, we don't do that anymore, do we? Why don't we do that? Well, because it's unnecessary, right? We wear socks, we wear shoes, we have paved roads, and we drive everywhere we go. I mean, we have a long walk from the driveway or to the street to, this, to the house, right? It's just, it, it's unnecessary. So what does foot washing look like in our society today? Jesus said we'll be blessed if we do these things. As we become a servant, what is it? So I would suggest foot washing occurs anytime we have the attitude or the posture or take on the role of a servant. It may be that foot washing is having that tender conversation with someone you know is hurting, which is evidenced by their destructive behavior, including being defensive or putting up walls or or hurt actions toward themselves or other people. Foot washing is taking, or excuse me, is asking the questions that people may not initially elicit but are desperate to pursue. Foot washing, I think, especially in our society today, is listening. It's really listening to the other person when. So much of our society is just really content with hearing their own voice. Foot washing is not settling for the appearance of being a servant by serving, but actually becoming a servant for the benefit of others and ultimately It'll benefit yourself. Foot washing is sacrificing a portion of your money, of what we receive for the sake of the work of the kingdom, so that more and more people can discover and experience the life-changing love of Christ and begin walking in relationship with Him. Foot washing is sacrificing personal preference in order to reach others in ways that they will understand, even if they're unfamiliar or perhaps even distasteful to us. Foot washing happens best in community. I've yet to see anyone really be able to serve in isolation. Foot washing requires serving. Serving comes from being a servant. And being a servant makes you more like Jesus. You become more whole and more loving and more like Christ. And as you do that, people will notice. And so my question for you this morning is, as you look at your life or as other people look at your life, would they call you a servant? Would they say, oh, they're a servant. Is that one of your characteristics that's obvious to other people? And when you serve, do you serve out of obligation, or is it out of guilt, or is it something else? Or is it out of love, the love God has shown you, and you want to express it to other people as well? Mother Teresa has been attributed with saying, I am not sure exactly what heaven will be like, but I do know that when we die, and when it comes time for God to judge us, He will not ask, how many good things have you done in your life? Rather, He will ask, how much love did you put in what you did? See, Jesus didn't humbly wash his disciples' feet during the Last Supper because he felt like doing something kind or because he, he was required to do so. He did that because he loved his disciples. And he wanted to demonstrate to them this selfless action and this dip, the depth of his love. He, he wanted to show that to them. And in doing so, he showed them and He showed us still today how our lives of unselfish love lived out in community with one another. We can do that even in the most mundane of circumstances. He showed us how to serve by being a servant. And I want to challenge you as we wrap up this morning with two things. The first one is this. Would you allow Jesus to wash you and to cleanse you and to take away your sin? Would you have a moment like Peter? And would you say yes to God? Would you say yes to to Jesus when maybe you've said no to Him before? Would you no longer be content to be stuck in your filth, but instead to be cleansed and to be redeemed? We worship a God who loves to remove your dirt. And when that's the case, why is it that we seem so content to walk around dirty? Would you let Him wash you? The second thing is, would you be a servant? Would you serve? And as you serve, would you ask God to transform you so that, that it's more than just serving, it's allowing Jesus to transform your heart and your soul and your mind as you use your strength and you hear the words of Jesus and you are wise and you put them into practice and you're building your firm foundation so that you can become more and more like Him and, and your life is different. So, so how would you respond today? I, I want to invite you to respond to the Lord, to hear the words of the Lord and to put them into practice, to receive Him as your Lord and Savior, to become a servant and to be more like Christ. This morning, we're going to to have a response time, maybe a little different than we have before. Uh, I'm going to quit talking, and the bands, Michael and and Ian, are just going to play through that song we sang, Take My Life. And we're going to give you time and space just to consider what God is saying and what God is doing in your life this morning. And if you want to talk to someone, I'm going to invite you just to make your way to the back. I'll I'll go back there. I'd be more than happy to meet with you and talk with you. But maybe you just need to do business with God this morning and respond to him as he's leading you. And then in a few moments, we're going to take communion. And we're going to participate in that together this morning. So right now, would you do business with God? Would you respond to him this morning?